0: listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, people who read, and how reading at its very best is a social experience. Whether it be a book
1: club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. There is the old philosophical question. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? Likewise, if you read a book and don't discuss it, have you enjoyed all the perks of being a book lover? I'm your host, Amy, I've been a member of numerous book
0: clubs over the last 25 years and started quite a few. I love asking people what they're reading so that they'll ask me the same. I'm a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about
1: dogs. And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids. Each week, we will
0: talk with a guest who shares the love of reading, how they impart that passion, and what books really
1: catch them on fire. We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun. Welcome.
0: Do you remember when a library was just a library? A building with books and periodicals, maybe a few DVDs. Today's library, though, is in flux, transforming beyond a static brick and mortar facility to become a movement with social events, digital interfaces, and futuristic technologies. While reading is still a huge part of that movement, it is just one of many unique ways in which people can interact with a library. Today's guests, M.K. Eagle and Hannah Elliott, are librarians at Louisville's new Northeast Regional Libraries branch and also coordinate much of the adult programming system-wide. They started a program four years ago called Books and Brews 502, which is just like the library's summer reading program for kids, but in this case, an awesome winter program for adults that can include beer, coffee, and food. Sounds fun, right? It runs December 1st through February 29th, and you can sign up at the Louisville Free Public Library website. And as millennials, MK and Hannah are striving to offer programming to appeal to all adults, but especially to this demographic. They're part of a movement to take the library outside of four walls and into the larger community. MK and Hannah tell us what a pop-up is in terms of libraries, how to earn points towards fun prizes just for reading books, at what events you can actually drink beer in the library, and how a simple library card can open up a world of cool gadgets and equipment to use for free. Those two millennials are teaching these two Gen Xers a thing or two about how the library is transforming, which includes cool outings and silent disco.
1: Amy and I are at the Northeast Regional Library today, and we are here with MK Eagle, the Northeast Regional Library's Library Program Supervisor, and we are also here with Hannah Elliott who is the Library Programs Coordinator, and I'm sure they can tell us a little bit more what those important sounding jobs mean. So welcome to both of you. you. Thanks for having us. And let's start, uh, if you would just tell us a little bit about
2: yourselves. Sure. Well, I'm MK. I'm a supervisor here. That just means that I'm one of the four on the team who you know, have to deal with patron complaints and supervising employees, et cetera. But I focus on the Maker Pavilion here in particular, programming in the building and some out of the building, like Books and Brews. I am not from Louisville, which people guess immediately. I don't get that question about where I went to high school. Uh, <laughs> I moved here four years ago from Boston, Massachusetts. Before that, I lived in Oregon.
3: Uh, I'm Hannah. I am a library programs coordinator, which means that I <laughs> create programs and offer them to the public here at, in the Maker Pavilion at the Northeast Regional Library. And then I also work as a team with uh, some other coordinators around the library system to do big programs uh, like the how-to fest and things like that and I spend a lot of my time operating stuff and trying to operate stuff in the maker <laughs>
0: pavilion. <laughs> well we should mention that we're actually recording today in the new recording studio that is in the northeast regional library it's very cool there's an area with that has a green screen so if you're wanting to do more v- visual recording but there's also just an audio studio so all you budding podcasters out there. Can you tell us a little bit about if someone wanted to use those things? Sure. Yeah. So in the
3: Maker Pavilion, we have three separate spaces. Uh, We have a maker space. We have an AV studio that includes a recording booth. And then we have a programming kitchen. And uh, you can use all of these spaces a little bit differently. After attending Maker Pavilion 101, which is the prerequisite 30 minute class you have to attend first. You can come in and work independently on any of the machines in our makerspace. Aside from that space, you can reserve the recording booth and the AV studio. and That's just a little form online, so give us a couple of days ahead of time. We can book some time for you, and you can come in and use any of the things in the space. I'm not an audio engineer or an expert on anything, <laughs> but I'm comfortable getting people started and set up and, you know, I do the best I can.
0: (laughs) What are some of the items that you have over in the maker studio? I hear there's some cool stuff over there.
3: Yeah we have a Glowforge laser cutter. It will cut and engrave lots of different materials. uh, Leather, glass, uh, metal, wood, cardboard, paper, cookies, tons of stuff. And we have a 3d printer, we have sewing machines, uh, button makers, a vinyl cutter, all sorts of fun stuff. A really
1: cool lab oven that I got to see.
3: <laughs> it's definitely not just a toaster oven. <laughs> definitely not. What's a lab oven? <laughs> Uh, we we were wanting to try to recycle some of the scraps from our 3D printer, and so we got a very fancy toaster oven, and uh, so it makes like
0: shrinky dinks or what? <laughs> what yeah, basically about? that's exactly
3: it. Yeah, so we just melted a bunch of the scraps, so uh, um, until it became a plastic sheet, and then you can laser cut it and cut it into weird shapes for like jewelry or whatever you wanted to laser cut it. Yeah.
0: Well, very cool, but we're (laughs) going to transition now to beer. (laughs) What we're really here to talk to you all about today, there is a program that you all are doing called Books and Brews 502.
2: Yeah, so Books and Brews is going into its fourth year. Hannah and I started it four years ago. It was very small initially, and it started because we were not finding people our age at our programs. That's That was basically what the deal was. Um, nationwide, millennials are actually the biggest library users, but in Louisville, we weren't really seeing that. There was kind of a gap between people who were heavy users as children and teens, and then they might not come back until they had kids of their own. And then, of course, older adults for things like our book clubs. And so we were wondering about, like, why is there that gap there? Where are all the people our age? Why won't my friends come to my programs? Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we thought, well, what if we could go to where people are already are? And um, where I already am is usually a brewery. So we started with Against the Grain and Heine Brothers. And that first year, we just had a, few, a handful of events and tried to get people reading books. And then the next year, we thought, well, maybe we could like expand it a little bit because there's a lot of breweries in Louisville. So we started going to pop-ups at all the breweries, and we really exploded last year in terms of numbers and number of programs. We were everywhere all the time. So it's, it's an exciting program for us, and it's really easy for patrons to participate. All you have to do is read books and go to events. Um, and some of them are events at our libraries. So if you go to any adult program at a library location during the winter, it counts. Or if you go to one of our pop-ups or special events at a brewery or a coffee shop or a restaurant, uh, that counts too.
0: So it's sort of like a summer reading program, but for adults. That's exactly In the right. winter. Yes. Right?
1: <laughs> so I discovered this program sort of on accident. I was on the Louisville Free Public Library's website. So you mentioned that there are all these pop-up events and different things, but there's also, because all I've ever done is just sort of the online. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe people who, you know, they want to participate? Because there are prizes involved. I actually won one, one year. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about sort of the online people who maybe want to keep track of what they're reading?
2: Sure, yeah. It's actually the same program that we use for summer reading and the Cultural Pass um, in the summer for kids. So it's a program called Beanstack. It's an easy way for you to log your reading and get reading recommendations personalized to your interests if you're interested in that part. And all you have to do is use any web device. It's just an optimized website. They also have an app. The app is a little bit different in terms of on the app you can even, it's they call it like a Fitbit for reading kind of an app where you can track minutes and we don't track that at all for <laughs> Books and Brews so we generally say just use the website but you can log in, log whatever you've been reading, um, you also log any of the events that you go to which is a really simple, it's basically a free text box just saying which event did you go to, tell us about it. Um, And that way we can also kind of track a little bit about the event participation
0: as well. So is Beanstalk, is it sort of like a Goodreads? I've never been on that. Is it an app that is specific to... Louisville Free Public Library. Oops. It's not no. Okay. So they,
2: they have library clients all over the country, um, and they do their own big winter reading challenge um, each year too. It's it's less like Goodreads because it's not so much a social networking kind of a situation. It's more about you and your family reading together. So it's it's an easy way for parents to log what they've read. You know whether they're doing summer reading or Thousand Books Before Kindergarten, which is another program that we do online. And it's if they want, it's a way that they can get some tailored uh, recommendations for themselves or for their kids. So how does someone sign up to participate, and when does it start? Sure. So the program runs December 1st through, uh, we've got a leap year this year, so it'll be February 29th. And you can sign up as soon as I get the program online, which it is not (laughs) quite yet. You can sign up for Beanstack anytime you want um, by going to our website. You can sign up and create a profile, but in terms of registering for the program, that'll be up in the next couple of weeks or two whenever I get that off of my to-do list and actually just put in the program again. But it'll just ask for some basic identifying information. You don't even have to put in your library card number. Technically, you don't have to be a library member or have a card with us to participate in Books and Brews or summer reading, for that matter. And then if you're interested, you can uh, answer a few questions about your reading habits and interests to try to get some of those more tailored responses.
0: Okay. And so then... If you're a person who likes to see people, <laughs> maybe Carrie doesn't, but other people might like to see people, how do you find out about the events and where are some of your events going to be? So we don't
3: year? have a schedule for pop ups yet, but with that being said, breweries have been so kind of, so we uh, pop up a lot. <laughs> there isn't a schedule, but if you go to lfpl.orgslash books and brews, I got that right. Um, that will have information about the program. It will have a link to Beanstack. And then once we have a calendar of events, it will have that there too. So what is a pop-up? A pop-up is uh, kind of an outreach system for us. So we get a box. We put books in it. Um, we put a computer. We put library card applications, information about programs coming that are coming up. And we take the box with us and we kind of show up somewhere um, in the public. (laughs) So, whether it's a brewery, a coffee shop, you know, an event going on around town, we kind of meet people where they are. We oftentimes have free books. If we don't have free books, then we have library books that people can check out, you know, check out from us. We can make a card on the spot. Um, Yeah just a good chance for us to you know, meet new people, tell them what we have to offer. So often we, we show up somewhere and people say, like, do you offer ebooks? I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so it's, it's a good way for us to reach people who um, just don't know what the library has to offer.
1: When you first started this, you said four years ago, how has it changed? How have you changed the program or made improvements over the last four years?
2: So the first year that we tried this out, um, we had kind of a convoluted system for people checking into events, and it did not work very well. It was You're supposed to basically enter a secret code every time you came to an event, and it just, it, it was a nightmare. Um, so, so switching to just tell us where you went, I think, has really helped. We've expanded just in terms of the number of pop-ups that we've done. That has been one of the biggest changes, yeah. I would say. And this year, you'll actually see some new faces at especially the Heine Brothers pop-ups. Hannah and I will not just be the two crazy people running around doing every event, so we're excited to have some more help with that as well. And then prizes were a new addition last year. So for the first two years, we had some very generously donated prizes that we did as drawing prizes just throughout the program, and we still do offer those, but now we also have what we call completer prizes. So just like with summer reading, when you complete and get a prize, and last year we had three different points levels, basically, so three different prizes. Um, Last year we had a beer koozie, a tote bag and a mug. Uh, the mug was the most popular, uh, and this year we have something completely different. But we can't tell you which yet because we're still waiting on it's those prizes. It's a big secret. <laughs> <a big deal. laughs> um, but the prizes. It turns out people really like prizes, mm-hmm. so I think that helped uh, mm-hmm. with the growth last I'll admit, year. I
0: still love a
1: tote bag, even though I have like probably twenty-five tote yeah, bags. Yeah. I still really like a cool <laughs> tote bag. I'm a minimalist, so I'm like, I don't need more stuff. But one year I did win a gift certificate to Louisville Tea Company, which I had never been there. So that was so exciting and, you know, I was just stoked. Tell us about some of the breweries that you all have gone to and some that you're maybe hoping to for this year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Against the Grain has always been one of our primary partners, so we always do events with them. They are so generous with their time and their space, um, and we're excited that they now can sell at some of our events, our adult after-hours events. Um, So we're looking forward to having them at Yule Ball this year. Our Potterpalooza has moved to the winter for 2019, so mark your calendars, December 7th at the main library. So we always love against the grain first and foremost. We've also had some great events with Mile Wide. Um, we like to have fun in the tap room there. Last year we did book bingo, which was pretty popular in their space. Um, and of course they've got you know pinball and board games, and now um, Max Doe House in the house. So that's. Uh, a great combination. This year, there are a handful of breweries that have just announced and we're not sure if they're going to be open in time or not. Gallant Fox is one of those that I've been eagerly awaiting their actual opening date, as well as the new Wild Hops at Safai um, at Logan Street Market, which thankfully just opened. So we're hoping to add them to the roster. Um, Last year, Vigrits and False Idol was new for
0: us, so we hope to go back to them as well. They're a ton of fun. So you had mentioned, like you did bingo at one of them, is there usually some sort of organized activity at the pop-ups or you're just facilitating the book part and then people can do the whatever fun stuff they want to do while they're at the brewery?
2: So it's a mix. We always offer it up to breweries that we'd love to sort of join on an event that's happening already or, or be part of an event that's happening already because turnout is usually a little bit better when that's the case. But sometimes they just say like, no, you can have a table, do whatever you want, hang out in the corner. And that's what we do. We show up <laughs> <laughs> and hang out in the corner. Um, in terms of, I think, Promotions. Um, We're fortunate that the breweries usually make a Facebook event and share on their social media as well. But again, if it's really an event, if there's something happening, it's a little bit easier to kind of draw people in rather than just saying, like, they'll be here. That's the event.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So do you find that you are drawing uh, more millennials, or do you find that there's some older people that tend to come to these? What what does your audience look like? Yeah, I, I think it's a mix.
3: I think we are drawing more millennials into this program and and that is why we created it it isn't just for people who like beer and like coffee and like books you know it's it's really for anyone who wants to participate who's an adult Um, we have lots of people who just read and and log books or we have lots of people who come to all of the programs you know so there are multiple ways to participate and there's no wrong way to participate and for that reason we have pretty wide demographic and that's I think that's great you know I like that about the program
1: Because one of the the things I like to do, since I don't generally like being around people, is I like to just be able to log my books. I mean, it's just sort of fun. And you Mm -hmm. get points. Like, I think you get 50 points for reading a book. And then if you write a review of the book, it's another 10 points or something like that. So, I mean, if you're a person who likes kind of keeping track of what you're reading, you can get a sense of accomplishment. And that's sort of all I need. So how do you curate the books that you take to the pop-ups? Is there
0: any rhyme or reason to it? Curate might be a strong <laughs> word for that. Um,
2: we, we always ask the, the hosting venue if they have recommendations, and that's been a little bit hit or miss. Um, we try to bring a list if they've recommended some, and then you can say, like, hey, recommended by your barista, or this is what Mile Wide suggests. That kind of thing is a lot of fun. They don't always respond necessarily or have enough titles for us to – bring that collection um, so we often just end up bringing a bunch of free books which is great because people can walk away with them but also less great because we usually haven't read any of them so they always <laughs> want to know like what would you recommend and we'll be like what's in the
3: box today I don't even know <laughs> this. this one has a nice cat on the cover. I bet you'd like it
1: <laughs> have you done any or have you considered doing any I mean I don't know even how many books you can find about breweries or beer history. I mean, so have you thought of doing any themed pop-ups?
2: We have done that. Um, we raid the the beer book collection. There are actually a lot of books about beer in the library's collection. We've brought those, and they just haven't seemed to really circulate um, when we bring those to events. People are kind of like, oh, it looks interesting. I still really want someone to check out The Audacity of Hops because that's my favorite title, <laughs> and it hasn't
0: happened yet, but one of these days. So I'm sort of a non-beer drinker. Are wineries or wine bars part of your repertoire yet or no?
2: Not yet.
0: We asked 502, old 502
2: winery at one point, and there was interest there, and it just didn't really work out. We're certainly open to it, um, but we're already, you know, at a lot of (laughs) pop-ups. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, (laughs) We're certainly open to it, but that's why we do love that a lot of the breweries now have food and other stuff going on, so that even if you're not a beer drinker or a drinker at all, you can come hang out and have some fun.
0: But apparently you're also at some coffee houses as Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. so if you're not a beer drinker, I do drink coffee, so I could do that. What are some of the coffee places that you have been to? So, Heine Brothers
2: is our other main program partner, so we've tried to hit, last year I think we actually did get to almost all the Heine Brothers in Louisville, not the ones in southern Indiana. This year, we are excited that Quills is actually opening a cafe at Northeast, so we're, we're hoping they might want to participate also, since they're here and we're here. But beyond that, it's just been uh, Heine Brothers all the time, and similarly, they come to our events and sell. Um, they, they always bring great, like, potter themed drink names to events when we have them at potterpalooza so Mm
3: -hmm. and I will say my aunt who was a very big books and brews participant last year um she does not like coffee and she does not like beer but any um library program counts so if you go to a book discussion that counts as a program if you come to any of our author talks that counts as a program and so if you're not a beer drinker if you're not a coffee drinker the program is still for you
0: okay yeah so what has the response from the public been like?
2: You know, it's been really interesting. Even when we're at a location popping up and we're a block or two blocks from a library, we constantly have people saying like, "Oh, great, I can get my library card." It's like people are planning to go to these pop-ups that they could just walk down the street to the library is there, but <laughs> but they come to us instead. So it's been really interesting a lot of people start the question with, well, what's the library doing? Why are you here? Um, which, I, I enjoy that question, but I also hope one day people will stop asking it and they'll just be like, of course you're at a beer festival,
0: that makes <laughs> <Yes>. sense. <laughs>
2: um, so the reaction has been really positive. Uh, people seem to love the program. We cr- created a book group at Falls City, basically out of Books and Brews, and it's still going strong, I understand. And I, I don't know, it's just, I think people
0: are having a lot of fun. What were the events with younger adults? that you were having trouble getting participation. I guess maybe I'm not even clear what adult programming that you have at the library. Sure, well one example is that um, many of our locations
2: do movie nights, completely free movie nights. We tried around Halloween a couple years in a row to have movies at, at the main, in the auditorium, it's a great space, free popcorn, et cetera. And it was like people just trickled in. There was like half a dozen or something. And you know, I, there's a lot of competition for fun events around town. I totally get that. But ours are all free.
1: Yeah, <laughs> free. Yeah, free's good. So you had mentioned eBooks, Hannah, that people who come to these books and brews pop ups are interested in an ebook. So, and I'm showing my age here because. I would have to say, oh, do you have ebooks? And can you show me how to use my phone to access them? <laughs> so is that part of what you do at the pop-ups if, yeah. if people need that assistance? Yeah,
3: absolutely, yeah. We met a patron at... Flat Twelve last year, and then she came back and back, and every time I helped her with audiobooks, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. She became she, uh, um, an avid yeah, audiobook reader, yeah. um, and, and she didn't know that she could get audiobooks onto her phone without ever checking out a disc and burning it to a computer and uploading it to her phone. I, I'm, you know, we're absolutely happy to help people on the spot with device help, or for that matter, if someone brings a device into a library, they can always get help with ebooks or audiobooks
0: there. And audiobooks count. For this oh, yeah. challenge as well. Definitely. Okay. They better. I know, but <laughs> I just figured I should ask, just in case.
1: So I, I do want to ask this since we were talking about like ebooks and audiobooks. So people who maybe want to make sure before they come to a pop-up that they've got what they need on their phone, mm-hmm. w- what do you tell them to have?
3: So for ebooks, uh you need Libby, um, and that is an overdrive product. For audiobooks. We have some on Libby, and we also have a platform called RB Digital. They're both apps that you can get in the app store for whatever device you have. Um, so once you have that app, I will help you use your library card and your password. Just set up an account and get our catalog directly in that app so that you can just click on what you want and
0: hit download. So tell us a little bit about the the Harry Potter. Potterpalooza, yeah, December 7th. So tell us a little bit about that event. So Potterpalooza is
2: an all-ages event. This is our I think it's our fourth year. It initially started when The Cursed Child was coming out Mm -hmm. in book form. And it was a big midnight reveal and everything. Uh, And people just loved it. People are still bonkers for Harry Potter. They really um, are, yeah. <laughs> so what happens is we take over the main library with all things Harry Potter. There's usually Quidditch outside. It might be a little cold for that this year for the Yule Ball. I'm not sure. There's often like a string quartet playing, you know, music from the movie. Um, sometimes the movies themselves are playing in portions of the library. And then, you know, staff is all dressed up. People who come are all dressed up. And there's activities all around the building. Um, starting last year, we had an adults-only section. Um, so we had trivia downstairs in the basement. Against the grain was some. They actually sold out of beer in the first hour and had to leave and come back with more wow. <laughs> because they did not anticipate how popular the adults-only section would be. It was actually cracked me up. There were a number of families that showed up and the dad would just like stroll on through, and be like, "Kids gotta wait upstairs. I'm <laughs> gonna <be> here." <laughs> um, so we're doing that again at Yule Ball. We're excited to have Harrison Martin do trivia for us again. Um, he often does trivia at Chill Bar. He's done a few events for us and. It's a ton of fun, uh, and then against the grain, we'll be selling it.
0: That That's awesome because I don't think that I realized that it was also an adult event. I think I thought it was sort of a a YA event. Although I've read all the Harry Potter books, and but I'm glad to know that there there is that adult portion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we even, we had just like a room with coloring sheets for adults that night and there were some people who just sat there the whole time. That was what they were into. That's what they wanted to do. They didn't have to be surrounded by children to do that. (laughs) Uh, So we're we're excited to offer that again.
1: So that's the 7th, December 7th. And tell us again when the Books and Brews starts and runs.
2: So Books and Brews kicks off on December 1st and runs through February 29th.
1: Okay, and so somebody who was, Doing Books and Brews, you said that any library programming can count towards their Books and Brews. So the December 7th Potterpalooza could count. Absolutely. As could,
2: uh, we have an event coming up here at Northeast on December 14th, After Hours. We're calling that Books and Brews and Browse. So it's an adults-only event, so you'll be able to just walk through the collection, have some folks kind of uh, strategically placed to maybe give some recommendations, have a beer if you want. Uh, and just enjoy what Northeast has to offer. We'll also be making pizza in the kitchen.
1: Cool. So where my brain is, you said browse, and I'm like, they're going to have, they're going to do threading. That's <laughs> what I thought. You are yes. not the first person to guess that. <laughs>
3: We may have to find a, I know. a, a brow expert to bring in. Oh. But
1: you, just, you have to. We'll disappoint if we
0: don't. <laughs> or you need to get some of those sticky, wooly eyebrows oh, at yeah, Halloween time and everybody perfect. has to wear them. Mm-hmm. Just an idea. You know,
1: they might want to hire us <laughs> at the library for their programming because they're not doing a good enough job on their own. Yes, I'm sure.
0: Well, we are going to take a break. and When we come back, we're going to talk about what we're all reading.
1: So we are back with M.K. Eagle and Hannah Elliott at the Northeast Regional Library, and we're going to be talking with them about what they're reading. And Amy and I are going to chime in, of course, with what we're reading. But I want to ask you all, do you all have certain genres that you tend to focus on, or do you sort of read a lot of what's out there?
3: I try really hard to read from every genre um and and kind of rotate which genre i'm reading from um i don't always do a great job of that sometimes i get stuck in a really really specific kind of theme or even location like region i'll read a bunch of books that all came out of one city or something like that and it, yeah and it becomes a problem because then i can't stop
1: and then i get see more i'm not the only one okay <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um so you, there are other people who deep dive i get yes, it yes yeah
0: it. now do you try to alternate genres? because of professionally so that you can recommend things to patrons or just for your own personal enjoyment you like doing different things uh
3: well I don't talk about books all day long I mean I'm in the maker pavilion so I don't necessarily recommend a lot of books I don't do reference work as often but I think it helps me a little bit when the question comes up and also um it it helps me just be familiar with what's out there and what's coming out and it's nice it's it's Good for my brain, I think. I do a little bit of that, too. I alternate genres quite a bit.
1: MK,
2: how about you? I'm all over the place. Uh, Two years ago, I was on a book award committee, so I just had to read everything because it was a very wide charge for the award, and that has really affected my reading and requesting habits now. Like, I have, like, 115 requests <laughs> on my list,
0: which is a problem. Um, so
2: I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place. Uh, lately, I've gotten stuck too much in nonfiction, and I need some, like, popcorn fiction books to balance the palette. Yeah, exactly.
0: So what's it like to be on one of those committees where you have to read, like, sort of a huge amount of books to... To help narrow down the award, is it is it fun or is it like a chore? Like it was, it really was a fantastic experience. The
2: award was the Alex Award, which is given by YALSA, the Young Adult Library Services Association, um, recognizing adult books with teen appeal. So that's basically could be anything. And it was it was a ton of reading, um, but I tend to read pretty quickly, so that was okay. But there were definitely some that. You know, you get you get these in that somebody else we really loved and you read it and you're like, I don't know why you loved
0: this. Yeah. Why why are we loving this?
2: And those were the toughest for me, because, you know, you want to be able to have a respectful conversation with your peers. But also you're like, I got to finish this somehow. Somehow I got to get through this one. So what are you reading right now? Uh, well, right now, I just actually, again, palette cleanser, because I've been reading so much nonfiction, I just requested um, one of the Laurel K. Hamilton, uh, Anita Blake Vampire Hunter series, which I started reading when I was 14 and, like, dog-earing the, the juicy bits. It's uh, it's just a violent sex romp is basically <laughs> what all of her books are. Um, so And I'm several behind in the series, so I was like, maybe I'll just read one of those and just see how I get it again
1: tell me her name again? Uh, Laurel K. Hamilton is the author. I've been talking up this book like crazy. It's vampires?
2: Uh, vampires, werewolves, where other animals, lots of <laughs> lycanthropy in that book.
1: Okay, because I know, you know, I, I have been talking about this book because I got it from the library. I'm actually returning it today in your <laughs> old book drop, but I'm almost certain that 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 author is mentioned, so I'm going to... So tell
0: them what the-
1: Oh, so the book – oh, yes, Amy, I will tell them what the book is about. So uh, I just feel like I've been talking about it so much. Uh, So it's Monster She Wrote, The Women Who Pioneered Horror and Speculative Fiction, and it's by Lisa Kroger and Melanie Anderson. And um, this is, like, at least the second show where I've talked about this book. But that's okay because it is full of all these great women authors – who uh, you know it it goes back to like Mary Shelley and even pre-Mary Shelley the women who were writing gothic horror um and then it goes all the way to modern writers and the great thing about it is that I've learned about so many female writers in these different genres the bad thing is I have to stop every 12 seconds and add another book to my Goodreads (laughs) list so it's it's been a little annoying in that regard but I finished it last night and um so anyway, I'm going to check and see. I'm going to pull back for a minute. I think we
0: all need those books, though, that are just, you don't have to think too much. I mean, it's just like a pure comfort read, sort of. Do you, ha- do you have a genre that is sort of your go-to, Hannah, when you need a break, a palate cleanser? Yeah, so this is not
3: my genre, but I just finished Cheese Sweet Home by Kanata Konami, I think is how you pronounce that name. And. Uh, It is a juvenile manga. It's not my genre, really, but it was adorable. It's about a fluffy cat who finds a home. There's a little bit of drama in there because uh, they can't have cats in their apartments, so that's the real turning point of the novel. Great, great. I was sick. It was a wonderful read.
0: (laughs) So I'm not sure I totally understand what manga is. Can you tell me? Can you explain it?
2: So it's a Japanese graphic novel form um, that reads... Back to Front, at least the way that we would traditionally read. You have to reverse your brain um, to read it. And if it's, it's sort of the print's analog for anime. Okay. So a lot of like Naruto, Airbender, like a lot of those classic series are in manga form as well. And
3: so now I'm kind of worried that I maybe misgenre it because it's not Back to Front. Well, it is Japanese. Okay, but so, the, now,
2: so now, I think it's opened up so much more worldwide that they're not all so that they're, different. Okay, yeah, just yeah.
0: mm-hmm. So, did manga come before the graphic novel, or no? Oh boy, that's a that's, that's a tough a question. question. I'm just wondering <laughs> I because it seems like it seems like I saw a lot of Japanese before sort of the rise of the graphic novel. But maybe I'm completely off base. I was just curious, but nobody I knows that. Know. What are you reading, Carrie?
1: I finished a book called Exquisite Corpse by, and I'm going to botch her name, I'm sure, Penelope Bagieu, maybe? B-A-G-I-E-U. I read a book by her called Brazen. It's a graphic novel about women in history who were complete badasses. And so anyway, that got me curious about what else she had written. And this book... I thought it was going to be scary because it has corpse in the title. It is not scary, but it is a feminist book. It's about a young woman who kind of has a dead-end job, and she has a dead-end relationship, and she meets a man who is a writer. And I can't really tell you much more than that because it's fairly short. It's not a huge graphic novel. But she meets this man, and then she discovers something about him, that that she really has a problem with. And and then the end you get you get this surprise that well I wasn't expecting it. So I like the way it ended. Now some of the graphic novels that I get I hand off to my son who's 12. This is not one of those. So because there's you know there's some pictures of bodies in compromising positions, I guess is how <laughs> I want to phrase that. I mean it you know it's fine for adults but not for don't give that one to your 12 year old. Amy, what are you reading?
0: Well, when I need a, a palate cleanser I often go to a thriller or a mystery. So, the one I'm working on right now, I'm about halfway through it and it's called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle and it's by an author named Stuart Turton and he was a, f- a freelance journalist. This is his debut novel. It was published in 2018. So, I have never really read a book like this before so imagine a place like Downton Abbey a country manor and they have all the servants and the little melodramas but there's a murder and so imagine a movie like Groundhog's Day or a book like Before I Go to Sleep by S.J. Watson and in that book every day she wakes up new and she doesn't know who she is and she has to start the day um, exactly where she was the day before because in this book the protagonist must repeat the same day over and over again But then add the game of Clue and a touch of Agatha Christie (laughs) and you have the essence of, of this book. So our narrator, he wakes up to find that he doesn't remember who he is because he's been attacked on the manor grounds and he has a bit of amnesia. But he knows that he remembers a young woman named Anna being chased in the woods and most likely killed. So he finds his way to the manor. He realizes the house is filled with a whole host of guests because there's going to be a ball thrown for the Hardcastle family because their youngest daughter has returned from Paris. So throughout the day, he pieces together kind of who he is, but he doesn't remember being that person. So then he wakes up the next day, and he's not that person anymore. He wakes up in the body of the butler. And then the next day, he wakes up in the body of an old obese banker. You get the idea. So he's told by a man in disguise. It is a masquerade ball, of course that he must discover who is the murderer of Evelyn Hardcastle, who is the youngest daughter. He must do that in eight days to be released from this game. And there are others in the house who are also, who are like changing host bodies as well. And it's sort of a race of time to see who can figure out who murdered Evelyn Hardcastle. And only one person can be released from, from the game. So, of course, this causes competition, so much so that, you know, one of the hosts is trying to kill all the all the others. And, in fact, he leaves a severed rabbit head in a box for our narrator. It's very godfather, but sort of British, you know. <laughs> He's a so rabbit I'm head. I'm
1: thinking Hunger Games,
0: too. I guess, yeah, I guess you could say. it's. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, I can see that. And, then of course, everyone has many secrets, and it's delightfully British I started this as an audiobook, and while the narrator was great, I would not recommend doing this as an audiobook. The storyline is very complex, and I couldn't keep track of what was going on, so I was listening to the same chapter, like, three and four times, because if you stop listening, if you're distracted for a minute and you, and you miss something, like, it's it's a big deal. You've missed a, a whole plot point. So... I checked the book out, and I'm glad I did because in the front there's a whole list of characters because there's a lot of characters. You have all the, the house staff, and then you have all the guests, and you know it gives a little description, and it really helps you in the book that you do not have in, in the audio version. I would recommend this for a person who loves British mysteries, maybe who even misses Downton Abbey because they're not making those anymore but wishes that it was a little bit more murderous.
1: I'm confused just from your description of the book. So it sounds like this is this a, a book that you have to concentrate on, would you say?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I feel like I'm just sort of going with it. i'm not I'm not questioning a lot of things. Do you know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. just I've suspended disbelief and I'm just kind of going with it and seeing where it's taking me. I suppose if you really got hung up on all those little, and all those little details, it might drive you crazy. So I hadn't thought about it, but maybe there might be a certain kind of person who would not enjoy this kind of book. But I'm kind of intrigued by it, and I, I like a mystery. Well, I'm only halfway through, so I don't know if it's really going to be a, a thriller in the sense of, like, a, a gone girl. I mean, it's not a thriller in that in that way, at least not yet. We'll see. But it's, it's I'm, like I said, I've never read anything. I've never read anything like it, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. I did want to mention...
1: I looked in my book and I found Laurel K. Hamilton. She's in the new vampire section. And you said her her uh, protagonist Anita Blake.
2: That's right, vampire hunter. Also a vampire lover. It's complicated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it says it's a series. Oh yes. <laughs> okay. Begins with guilty pleasure. So that's the correct. First and you read is that? the
2: name of a, a vampire strip club.
1: Oh. oh.
0: Was this made into a series? It there, is a series. It is a series. Yes. No, I
2: mean like a TV series. Oh. I've never seen if there is a TV oh, or okay. a movie
0: I'm, Maybe
1: I'm thinking of it different. Okay, okay. but you recommend that. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to know. Something else is going on my TVR list. All right, when we come back, we are going to give MK and Hannah a top six. Six divided by two is three. Anyway.
0: back with MK and Hannah and we're going to talk about their top Six. six. Top six, sorry. So MK, you are a big beer lover. What is your top beer that you recommend to other people?
2: Oh, well, I actually try to drink pretty widely so that I can tailor my recommendations to what styles people like because, I mean, I love IPAs, but many people do not. So I'm, I'm kind of that annoying person who, when someone says, oh, I don't really like beer, I'm like, oh, but let's talk about it. What do you like? I don't you, <laughs> what you, find you, you like? Um, sort of a beer evangelist, if you will.
0: Maybe I need to have you point me in the right direction. I don't
1: know. Well, you know, my husband did not like beer. I mean, he, he was one of those people who was like, I don't like beer. And I'm like, it's like anything. If you start drinking it, you will develop a taste for it, and you will like it. And so now he is a complete beer snob. And, well, I mean, I, I am too. There are certain beer that I'm like, that is just yellowish water. I'm not drinking it. So you can do it too, Amy. Okay, but let's let MK finish
0: okay, okay. The, <laughs> her yeah, answer. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't, I mean, that,
0: that was my answer, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
2: I don't. There's, there's not any, like, particular... What's funny, though, is that the one that I'm really enjoying right now is actually owned by InBev because InBev bought Elysian. But um, Elysian's Night Owl Pumpkin Ale, very tasty. Uh, Grind had it on draft uh, last week, and I tried it for the first time. Super good.
1: All right, Hannah, you enjoy traveling, but you say you don't get to do it as often as you'd like. So where is the top place you would like to visit that you haven't been, and why? So... I'm
3: like not actively, but in my brain, I'm planning a trip to Peru. Um. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really
0: going happen anytime <laughs> soon,
3: <laughs> but I think about it a lot. Um, so I want to visit Machu Picchu. Yeah. Um, I have not ventured in that area of the world yet. I've been to Europe, and um, I just went out west for the first time last year. So I'd also like to do a big tour of the national parks out west. Um, I went to Sequoia and it was incredible and I wish I could just live there all the time, but I would like to see some other of the big national parks out there.
0: So you're a deep diver, deep diver reader like me. When you travel, do you like to read books that are set in the places that you go? Yeah, I don't
3: mess with travel books, like actual travel books. I don't, I don't need that information
0: or anything. No, I mean, I need practical (laughs) tips or help,
3: Uh, but yeah, I want to read a novel about it, definitely.
0: What did you read when you went to Sequoia? Did you have one that you read? I can't remember.
3: I don't think I read anything specific to that trip.
0: So I went to Santa Fe this past summer, and I bored Carrie to tears, I think, for about four weeks. I read, like, everything I could find about Santa Fe and New Mexico. And
1: But fictional.
0: Yes, they were. Well, one of them was nonfiction. There was one that was nonfiction.
1: All right. MK, this I was very intrigued by this uh, interest that you have. So what is the top reason that you're a little obsessed with Louisville Silent Disco? First, you have to d- describe what that is. Sure.
2: So a Silent Disco, you get a pair of headphones that has three channels. And in this case, it uh, turns three different colors. So you can sort of see visually what channel other people are listening to. But if you take the headphones off, depending on how rowdy the group is, you really can't hear anything. There's not, it's not a dance party to anyone else. It's only a dance party to the people in the headphones. There's a great variety. The, the DJ for Louisville Silent Disco is great. keeps things kind of really varied, so one channel might be playing, you know, classic disco hit and then you've got like T Pain on another channel and then you've got everybody sing along like Nelly on another one and it really rotates there's a lot of variety but the thing that I like about it the most is that I actually went to one on Friday night by myself. I didn't have any friends with me and initially I was like this is going to be terrible. What have I done to myself? This is I would never consider going to like a club by myself. But nobody cares. Everybody's in their own little world, so you can dance and do whatever, and nobody cares. There's no awkward. You're just all bopping along to whatever you hear that not everyone else does.
1: (laughs) So... Is there one place, I mean, like, is there one venue where you go to do this, or are there a lot of different no, places? No, there's a lot that- of
2: different places. So Louisville Silent Disco shows up at a lot of festivals, fundraisers. They were at the Tailspin Ale Fest last year. They've been at a lot of breweries lately, which is where I found them because I'm one of breweries. So they've been at Fall City a couple times and Mile Wide. And you can also rent Louisville Silent Disco. You could, like, create your own Silent Disco party. Okay, so I'm just, I'm
0: trying I'm trying to picture it. So everyone okay, you're showing your age I here. I know, I know. So everyone has on headphones, but it's playing different music and everybody's just kind of dancing to whatever's playing in their headphones. Right.
1: So I'm totally interested in this because do you control your own yes. volume?
0: Yeah,
2: you control your volume and your channel. So you can flip around as much as you want or stay on the same channel the whole time. Turn it up, turn it down.
1: So you get all the benefits of music and loud if you like it or not so loud, but like it's pretty quiet. Right, I mean, because if people are doing their headphones right, then you're not hearing a lot of loud noise.
2: Yeah, so now I will say that there are some jammers that people really sing along to, so you'll occasionally hear everybody just bust out, you know, don't stop believing or something.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, so there's like songs that I would know? Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, the, the first time we did it at Mile Wide, take off the headphones, totally silent. It was bizarre.
0: I've never heard of this, but it's a really cool idea.
1: I am so down with this because I went to, I should say, I went to a wedding and it was a lovely wedding, but the reception, it was like, I mean, ear splitting. And so I'm so down with like being able to dance and have a good time, but not have your eardrums bleed unless you want to have your eardrums bleed. So yeah, this is awesome. Okay, Hannah.
0: So I hear that you don't really like to cook, but that you really like to eat. So what is <laughs> the top food that you like to eat that others have cooked for you?
3: Well. I don't want you to think that I've, like, cultivated palate or anything like that. <laughs> I'm not a foodie. I just really like to eat a lot of food. Cookies? I like <laughs> I like cookies. Um, I like pretty much anything with chocolate in it. I love Mexican food. Not only do I not like to cook, I'm really bad at it. So, like, I cook three meals and I just cook a bunch of it and eat it until I'm sad about it and then <laughs> ask somebody else to cook for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll eat Mexican food, like, six times a week, easy. Really? So just, chocolate and tacos? Yeah. And really, just anything (laughs) anybody wants to cook for me. That is my exact
1: same answer. That's my answer. Chicken nuggets, I'm down with it. (laughs) Whatever somebody wants to fix that I don't have to fix for myself or my family, I'll eat it happily. MK, what's your top biking experience?
2: Well, I do really love Tour de Lou. That's fun every year um, in April. But lately, I've just been riding the Greenway in Southern Indiana a lot, which I love because I can just leave my apartment ride over the bridge, and then do the the whole greenway. Um, so it's it's an easy way to get anywhere from like eighteen to thirty miles on a
0: ride. So describe what the greenway is. Is it is it through all the little towns? Is so it... the
2: greenway runs along the river, basically. Um, okay. So it uh, starts in in Jeff, and then you go through Clarksville and the Falls of the Ohio, and then ends at the amphitheater in New Albany. Oh, okay. Um, and it's completely protected. It's all just mixed use. Bikes and pedestrians, so you don't have to worry about cars and traffic and it's usually very pretty, you see some wildlife. I saw a hawk the other day when I was riding, that was nice.
0: So Hannah, you're a dog person like I am. So where's the top place that you like to hike with your with your dogs?
3: So we frequent Cherokee Park a lot and we like the bird trail. It's the one with the little wooden kind of raised path and we, we go on that very regularly like once a week but we also go to jefferson memorial pretty frequently and there's a really nice trail at bernheim called the coal hollow loop it's like a mile and a half If you start i can't remember which oh my gosh if you start one direction you go up a hill at the beginning and then the rest of it is like really really nice and you felt accomplished because you did a big hill and then you have to go downhill the rest of the way and it's great so i like that about it too but it's just very natural really really pretty hike how many dogs do you have? Two. What kind of dogs do you have? They're two mutts. One's kind of a pit bull mutt, and the other's a curly mutt. Do they walk nicely, or do... <laughs> they don't do much nicely? They're kind of—I mean, they're great dogs, <laughs> but they're just—they're just pains, you know? Uh, yeah. When we have the opportunity, we like to let them off the leash because they come kind of free, you know. When they feel like it, they'll come, you know, when you holler at them. Yeah. Um, but they just really, really enjoy it. I'm from the country. <laughs> if you can't tell by my accent. And so uh, whenever I go home, um, we take them and let them run and frolic around in the fields, and they have a good
0: time. So. There's one at Floyd's Fork at the Public branch that we like to take our dogs to. But my golden retriever, she does not walk very nicely in mm-hmm. our neighborhood. When I say not very nicely... I don't mean that like she's pulling or something. I mean that she's so lazy she only wants to go down one street and then she'll stop and not go any further and wants to go home. Which is a bummer because my other two dogs really still want to go. Yeah. But when we take her out into the woods and if we let her off leash she just like, she'll run up and explore yeah. and then come back and explore. But she's a very pack oriented dog. Like She wants the whole pack to stay together. So if there's somebody in the group who's kind of lagging behind, she'll go back and check on them and stay with them until they catch up. And She's
1: really a good hiking dog, just mm-hmm. not a
0: very good walking through the neighborhood dog
1: because she's lazy <laughs> so she's a pack dog only if you're not on a sidewalk
3: Exactly. Uh, yeah, gotcha. I have a, a leash that has kind of a split so that I can put both of the dogs on one leash, which uh, works really well. Except one dog is lazy and slow, and the other and is like, "Let's run! Let's let's frolic! This is great!" And so going up hills at Cherokee, Pete, my one dog just drags the other dog, <laughs> just drags. Him. It's yeah, I've thought about getting that, but I'm
0: just afraid that that my dogs would like get so irritated with one another that it would be. You know, oh yeah, my lazy dog tense.
3: will sit down on hills. Okay. He'll just be like, "No, we're yeah. not going any faster." Yeah, <laughs> He'll
0: yeah. Sit. Or cats, if you're Carrie. Yeah.
1: MK, do you, have a, do you I, have a... I'm a cat person. Okay. Even. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, it has been really great to be here at the library with you all, and I'm excited to try the Books and Brews 502 this year. It'll be a first time for me. Thanks for telling us all about it and the, the new exciting things that are going on here at the regional library. Thanks for having us. Sherry, we have a few extra minutes here at the end of the show, and I think we should address a couple of things. Okay. So when I was editing the episode for this week with MK and Hannah, it occurred to me that this episode really wasn't just about the Books and Brews event that they do, but it was really about um, the new millennial librarian and millennials as readers, and I feel like we missed a little bit of an opportunity in asking them more about that.
1: Well, even though I said something stupid, like, I feel like I can really relate to you all, even though I'm old enough to be their moms. (laughs) Uh, But yes, I do agree that that we we did sort of miss an opportunity there. So did you know that I I found this infographic on experteditor.com.au, which I think means Australia. But anyway, they have this really cool infographic about the surprising reading habits of millennials. So it gives some really great information that, you know, a lot of millennials prefer actual print books, which kind of surprises me because I would assume that they... Well, they grew up in a digital
0: age right, with the phone and the iPad and, and everything. So it is a little surprising. But I looked at that same infographic and, and read a little article through mentalfloss.com and they said... in fact they think that millennials might be the reason that bookstores are coming back because millennials tend to prefer to read traditional books that's very cool (laughs) well the thing that struck me is you know when you think of a librarian you think of stodgy stodgy hair in a bun school marm type people and What I have found with us interviewing our guests for this week, but also different librarians who I've met through the different branches, is there's a whole new wave and crop of librarians coming through who are very, very cool.
1: Right. A lot of the skills that they bring to the libraries really don't – it's not library science as sort of people, I think, in Gen X or boomers know or think about library science. I mean, you have a lot of – People who are working in libraries who are using technology, who know how to use, uh, what is it, the 3D printers and a lot of the tools or video recording things, podcast equipment, they know how to use those tools because libraries are still about books, but they're about A whole lot more than just books, and that wasn't the case when when I was a kid. A library was just books, maybe maybe a computer, and we still had a card catalog. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we were still listening to forty five records. yes you know, back then. Oh my god, we're so old. (laughs) We're so old. (laughs) But I do think the face of the library system is changing because the libraries have changed, and so. It's kind of cool to see to see that evolution occur. I use the library all the time, but I rarely go in and peruse the shelves. But, you know, I reserve books and then I run in and pick them up or I get the audio books and listen to them on my phone. So even the way I use a library has changed from 15, 20 years ago.
0: In fact, we met this really cool librarian yesterday when you and I were at the Writer's Block Festival. And she was there with her laptop and all of her little library cards that people could sign up for a library card. And she had books you could even check out right there, not at the library, at just some
1: event. Some event in in
0: Louisville. Yeah. And she was actually telling me she's teaching a videography class for the library because that is a specialty of hers. Which is, I mean, what librarians in our
1: age would know how to make a movie? Right, none. Maybe we should find her and see if she'll give us a lessons on podcasting. I don't know. Maybe she knows about podcasting.
0: I don't know. They were advertising an intro to podcasting class as well, which would have helped
1: us had they had it last year. It still might help us. <laughs>
0: So I know I told you the other day that I had downloaded what I thought was an audiobook from the library, and I couldn't get it to to download onto my phone. I figured out why. it was an ebook. It was an ebook. <laughs> it absolutely was. So I needed Hannah. I needed Hannah there to tell me, "No, I'm sorry, you downloaded the wrong thing. That's why you can't yeah. get it to play audio."
1: You're a Gen X, or she couldn't say, "Okay, boomer, let me show That's you right. what to do." No if... one
0: can say, "Okay, boomer." No, to me, not at least. to you. Not to you. Well, we need to move on to our second issue. Okay.
1: Our second issue. (laughs) Our second issue, which is... I feel like I'm in therapy. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) There is a problem with the name of our podcast. Yep. I know. So when we were coming up with the name of our podcast, Perks of Being a Book Lover, we made a mistake when we told the person who was doing our logo. And we didn't catch it. And book lover was supposed to be two words, but she put it as one. But we'd already paid
1: for all of it and we're cheap and lazy. And and it you know, I don't know. It's we were kinda in a fog of we don't know what the heck we're doing, yes. but we're really excited about it. Yes. So uh yeah, it's probably even though we're pretty good proofreaders, we, we missed were, it. We missed it. And then
0: now it's on everything. It's on everything. <laughs> yeah. But I've decided that book lover should be one word. It should be a thing. It should be its own entity. I agree. And not two words. I agree. And that's what I'm going with.
1: And if you've read Andrew Clement's book, Friendle, then you need to read that book. Okay, so what's it got to do with Friendle? So this is a story of a boy who decides that his pen, pens, he doesn't want to call them pens anymore. He wants to call them friendles. And so he does this he starts calling his pens friendles oh I brought a, I bought a new friendle anyway his teacher his English teacher is appalled and you know gives him a hard time well he decides uh, well I am going to see this through so he starts this campaign and gets all the kids in his school and I won't tell you what happens by the end of the book but I will say that friendle becomes a rather important word
0: well, I think that we should go on a campaign for making book lover
1: a, a word. compound word a compound word it absolutely should because, be a compound because because book and lover are two totally different things but when you put them together all new meaning that's that's our stance and that we're sticking we're with sticking it. with it even though it's incorrect <laughs>
0: so we appreciate you all thanks for listening and we'll see you next week Thanks for joining us today. For show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.